The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love it, I love it. Hey, uh, just a couple quick things before we jump into our, 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 we continue our series, Summer Story City, this morning. I just want to highlight a couple things um, that you saw in the video announcements. For three years now, we have supported a foster care ministry in our city um, known as Royal Family Kids Camp, but the ministry that's specific to our church is called Dawn of Hope. And so today, I just got a text like 20 minutes ago, um, the truck is on its way to summer camp, and tomorrow morning, um, I believe almost 40 foster kids in our city uh, will experience a week away of hope and joy and love, acceptance, encouragement. And there are many in our church who are volunteering for that camp. And I could not be more excited for those foster kids. Did you know that 10% of the foster kids in America are in Los Angeles alone? This is one of the very small ways that we get the opportunity to participate in doing what God has asked us to do, not only as a church, but the church globally, and that is to care for widows and orphans. And so today when you leave, I believe at the top and on the side over here, they're going to be bracelets. I've had one every single year. Um, It's a bracelet with a name. And that name is somebody that we want to ask you to pray for this week at Royal Family Kids Camp. I want to encourage you to do that and pray daily for them. Secondly, in July, we began um, a series called You Ask For It. And we breezed by it really quickly in the announcements. But I want, this is your opportunity to ask us questions that we can. We're forming a series around your questions, not ours. And so if you have a question, I want to encourage you to text it to 818-806-8070. What was that number? 818-806-8070. Excited about that sermon series. All right. Now, if you have a Bible this morning, um, I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 19. Uh, One of our interns was uh, supposed to preach this morning, and I want you to pray for him today. Uh, His wife is about to have a baby, but secondly, he found out this week that uh, his dad's cancer has come back, and they've given him about a week to live. And so Thursday night, he texted me and said, Pastor Matt, I just don't think I can preach today, uh, this weekend. And so I want you to pray for Marco, and I want you to pray for his dad. And uh, we're going to pray together as we jump into the scriptures, okay? Let's do it. Let's bow our heads. Let's, Let's close our eyes. Let's Let's put our hearts in a posture of worship and hearing from God this morning. Lord, God, this is your word. And God, the last thing we need is just to show up in church. It's another Sunday, another regular uh, religious day, God. I pray that today, Lord, would be special, be powerful. God, would you speak to us, Lord, through the scriptures, God. Oh, God, speak to our hearts, Lord, all of us, Lord, from young to old today, men and women in this room. God, speak to us, Lord. We need to hear from you. God, we need to be strengthened by you. We need to be encouraged by you today. God, I pray for Marco. I pray for his family. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, you would show your power and your strength in his life, Lord, his encouragement, your encouragement in his life today. We pray for his father. Thank you that he knows Jesus, Lord, and soon he will be in your presence, God. So we commend our time to you, Lord. This is your church and your people, your city. God, your word, and so speak loudly. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater said, amen and amen. Well, if you haven't given your Father's Day shout out on Instagram, I'm sure you're going to do it. Uh, So make sure you give your Instagram shout out. 15 years ago, we didn't do this, right? We didn't even have it. Did you know that 15, we didn't even have Facebook 15 years ago. Can you imagine how much our culture has changed because of social media? 
Not only that, but it's fostered this idea of, of creating our own brands and, and our own names. And social media has fostered this whole idea of having a name and having a brand. And uh, you know this. Some of you guys are this. Uh, if you're an Instagram influencer, you know you get free stuff. I don't know if you knew this or not. If you got a lot of people that follow you and like what you post, you get free stuff. You get free clothes. You get free products. You get free food. My, my wife and I have an, a couple Instagram influencer friends who are fashion bloggers. And uh, we watch them post. We know them. We, some of them came up through our ministry as kids. And we're like, man, every time we see them, they're, they're wearing like $400 outfits. Where do they get this money from? Oh, that's right. They're an Instagram influencer. Somebody is using their name and their influence to benefit from them. And, and honestly, in Los Angeles, we get this because there is no city in America that is more influenced by having a name and having a brand than the city of Los Angeles. You understand. You, you, you know this. You, you know what it's like. You know how important it is to have a name and how knowing names can open doors. A producer knows my name. A, a vice president knows my name. A, a casting director knows my name. An employer knows my name. A movie fan knows my name. An Instagram follower knows my name. Have you ever thought, have you ever considered why is it that we're so driven to be known by our names? Our names bring a status. They, some of us, they bring, they bring power. Some of us, they bring security. Some of us, they bring wealth. For some of us, our names validate who we are. This morning, I want to challenge you to make a name for yourself. I, mean, I want to challenge you to make a name for yourself, not in a way that, that culture prescribes we should be making a name for ourselves. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. The strong desire to make a great name for ourselves is the evidence of a heart that's hungry for glory. I'm not asking you to make a great name for yourself today. Culture is. Culture's telling you that validity and status and power and wealth comes from a huge following and a good name. But when we read scripture, I think what we would glean is that when we have a strong desire to make a great name, it's evidence that we have a heart that's hungry for glory. I'm not asking you to make a great name today for your own glory. By the way, this is the essence of what happened in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter two, we see Adam and Eve who are, who are, who are making their own name. They're, they're forming their own rules. It's sort of a, it was sort of a power move in the garden when, when Adam and Eve did what God said not to do. It was a glory hunger move. And they listened to Satan, by the way, who is the OG glory hunger seeker. They made a name for themselves. I want to suggest to us this morning that the desire for our own glory leads us more towards being in the hands of the enemy of God than being compelled by the spirit of the living God. And some of us are known by certain names. We're known by 
our political party's name. We're, we're known by our professional talents and, and our abilities. We're known by our professional skills. We're known by our IMDB credits. We're known by the words that we sing. We're known by the books that we write, some of us. And quite honestly, I believe that if we were just to take a deep inventory of our heart and we searched our soul this morning, I just wonder if some of us would come to the realization that this morning we honestly care more about our own brand and our own name than the glory of Jesus in our life. Now, I'm not beating you down this morning. I'm going to lift you up and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to challenge you to make a name for yourselves. And by the way, some of you have names. Some of you have status. Some of you have followers. And I just want to ask you this morning, Where's the power in that name? Are you leveraging that name for Jesus' name? The older I get, the longer I serve in ministry, I'm totally fine with being in the shadows of anonymity and allowing the glory of God to take the spotlight in my life. And I hope that's who we will become as a church. Today, I want to challenge you to make a name for yourself. One one of the most intriguing questions in all of Scripture, one of the most intriguing questions in all of Scripture is found in Acts chapter 19. And it's actually a question that's asked by a demon. So the question is asked by a demon, and the question that the demon asks is, who are you? (laughs) What's your name? I think it's an intriguing question this morning, and I want us to read Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 11. Together, this is, this is one of the most intriguing passages in, in my Bible. In fact, my page in my Bible actually comes out because I've gone to this passage so often. In fact, this morning, I got a text from a former student of mine and said, hey, I remember two, two messages you preached. This is one of my courses. I'm like, only two? Okay, all right. And uh, this, this, is, this is one of them. It's like, I remember the message you preached and Acts. I was like, that's funny. I'm actually preaching that today. <laughs> Acts chapter 19, one of the most intriguing passages in all of scripture. Now read with me in verse 11. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. Listen, let me just be honest with you. I I want to be used by God. I want you to be used by God. Paul here in Acts chapter 19 is on what's known as his third missionary journey. He's come through the city of Ephesus before on his second missionary journey. He's passing by again on his third missionary journey. And the verses before tell us that Paul this time is going to spend two years preaching the gospel, telling people how their lives can be changed. And Acts chapter 19 verse 11 says, and God was performing extraordinary miracles. Did you get the order there? Paul was not performing extraordinary miracles. God was performing extraordinary miracles. Paul had a supernatural power that did not come because he in of himself had supernatural abilities. I don't want you to believe this morning that you will be used greatly because you have great abilities or you have a great following or you're going to be effective because you have a great personality. Paul performed miracles because of the name that he preached. Go back and read the book of Acts. Go back and read the book of Acts and watch the record. From Acts chapter 9, when Paul's life is transformed in Damascus, read the following chapters. You'll see 
names of of people transformed by the preaching of Jesus. Acts chapter 14. Get into Acts chapter 15. We get into Acts chapter 16. A slave girl, name. Her her name is not known, uh, but but, but the power of God is affected in her life because because Paul was preaching the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 17. The men of Athens are transformed because Paul is preaching Jesus. We get into Acts chapter 18. And again, a man is healed by the preaching of the name of Jesus. We get into Acts chapter 19. We're going to see the power in the name of Jesus. Listen to me, church. There is power in the name of Jesus. Do not be fooled that your name has power. <laughs> for what? For how long? For, for you to spend nine years investing in people's lives daily and they text you and say, I only remember two things that you ever said. <laughs> Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Acts chapter 16, verse 18. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, the verse says, that he turned around and he said to the spirit, and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, Acts 16, 18 says, the spirit, the demon left her. The power that was seen in Paul's ministry, listen, is the result of the gospel that he's preaching. Paul has power, not because he's got a dynamic personality, not because he's got a great following. Paul has power because he's carrying the name of Jesus. This was Paul's ministry. Everywhere he went, it was about Jesus. Everywhere he went, it was about Jesus, not about himself. He said it, 2 Corinthians 4 or 5. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. We lack so much power today because of our glory hunger for our own name to be elevated above Jesus. We lack so much power. Oh, we were fooled, though, by, by, this, by this illusionary power of our name. We're, fo- we're fooled by it. 780 likes on Instagram. We're fooled by it. It makes no difference. Everywhere Paul went, people were changed by the preaching of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. They were changed by the preaching that Christ died for our sins, that we can experience new life when we trust Jesus. Church, listen to me. There is power in the name of Jesus. Now hold on to that. Verse 12. So God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Verse 12. So that, listen, listen to how powerful this is. Paul's not even present when the miracles are happening. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Do you see what's happening? Paul's not even present when miracles are happening. It, it, was, it was a handkerchief that he blew his nose. It, it, was, a, it was a rag that fr- from, his, from, his cl- from an article of clothing. And, and the scripture says even those things that had been in the presence of Paul because of the power of Jesus were healing people and evil spirits were coming out of them. Now listen, listen to me. We need to understand something and be very clear this morning because we're about to see it in this passage. Spiritual warfare is a reality. Spiritual warfare is a reality. Satan is a personal being. 
Let's be clear. Satan does not have omnipotent power. Satan also cannot be omnipresent. He cannot be in all places at all times. However, the Bible tells us, and we see here in Acts chapter 19, we see it in other places in the scripture, all throughout the book of Acts. We see it when Jesus drove the demons out of the pigs in the book of Matthew. The Bible does tell us, and we see it here, that Satan has a legion of armies who work for him and with him. And they're active. But we also need to be clear here this morning. They are active and they are present, but they cannot be active and present in the life of a Christian. What we are not seeing is a demon-possessed Christian. Christ does not share a heart with a person who is possessed by a demon. We are not about to see Christians possessed by demons. Christ cannot share that same heart. But spiritual warfare is real. It's a reality. And I believe we will only experience that reality when we are filled by the power of the Spirit of God, listening to the Word of God, acting by the power of God. We only will experience that. When, when, when we moved to L.A., I, I probably told a few of you this story, and I've re- told it this week because it happened again. And when we moved to LA four months before, I remember this Sunday, I was preaching at one of our partner churches in Alabama. In fact, the church where Madison, our kids intern, came from. She's there today with her dad for Father's Day. I woke up that morning and my throat had closed up. And I was preaching three sermons that day in their church. And my throat had literally closed up. I had taken everything I possibly could. I preached three sermons. And my wife drove us back to Atlanta. And I was, I was like, I was dead almost. I thought I was dead. And in, in, in the 12 to 18 months after that time, which was October of 2014, my family experienced 17 cases of strep throat. <laughs> Finally, I got my tonsils out because the doctor said, you're the problem. You're the one that's carrying this thing. And so I got my tonsils out and they said, look, you should have done this years and years ago, but after you get your tonsils, you probably will never have strep throat again. I want to remind you, 2014, 2015, Tyler and I moved here to start a brand new church. I, 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 I remember back on those days, I don't even know where Tyler is here this morning, but I remember back on those days where either my family, somebody in my family, Tyler, somebody in his family, one of us was sick at all times for about the first six months we were here to start a church. My family got affected by strep throat. (laughs) And then I got my tonsils out. And the night I got my tonsils out, my throat started bleeding and I let out like a pint of blood. The ambulance had to come get me and the doctor had to cauterize my throat while I was watching him. It was miserable. And I thought, praise God, I'll never have strep throat again. (laughs) And then last Friday I woke up and my throat hurt like fire. It was awful. And I thought, well, I preached seven times this week and maybe that's just tired. I, my body was weak and Saturday my body was weak. Sunday morning I woke up and I had doped myself up on everything I had in the house, ibuprofen, aspirin, whatever we had. Um, and, and, and I came to church and I was fine. I went home and I woke up on Monday morning and my throat was closed up this past Monday. Do you know last Sunday we announced we're starting a new church? <laughs> I talked to the guy that we're interviewing about being the campus pastor at our Granada Hills location this week. And as I told him the story of having strep throat again, having it when we were starting a church in 2015, we announced we're starting a new church. I've got it again. He said, dude, you won't believe this, but I had my tonsils out years ago too. I had strep throat two weeks ago. (laughs) 
I believe, I, I can't go to a verse of scripture, but I believe it's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real. Satan can't be everywhere at all times. He doesn't have all power, but he's got a legion of armies who work for him and with him, and they are active in the, in the presence of people who are pursuing the glory of God. That's important this morning. Read verse 13. So some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, now look, this is a common practice in the Greco-Roman world. There were Jewish exorcists by profession, by trade. That's what they did. Every time I read verse 13, I think of Jew, uh, Jim Carrey exercising the demon. You know what I'm talking about? In verse 13, we see these Jews who are driving out evil spirits. This is what they did professionally. Now look what they tried to do. They tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Now look, they used the name of Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. This is what they would say. In the name of Jesus, here's, here's how they say this, whom Paul preaches. Do you see how they're saying it? Not in the name of Jesus who's changed our lives and who we've given ourselves to, but in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, I command you to come out. These men in verse 14 tells us they were the seven sons of Sceva. You're looking to be a dad and there's a good name for you, Sceva. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. Very likely, he's just given his name He's given himself the name of a chief priest. Maybe it looks good on a business card. Maybe it's good for business. Maybe it's good um, in, in advertising that he's a chief priest. It gives validity to his, uh, the consulting firm of Skiva, 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 and Skiva. Who knows? <laughs> and so they, 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 they encounter a man who is demon-possessed. This is not a believer. This is not someone who's trusted in Jesus, but it is someone who is demon-possessed. And very likely, they have encountered and seen the miracles, verse 11, that Paul had been performing because God was working in him, and they had noticed that he invoked the name of Jesus. And so, for business benefit, for business benefit, they used the name of Jesus. Church, you cannot use the name of Jesus for your benefit. Who knows why they used the name of Jesus? Maybe business had gone south. Maybe the phone calls stopped coming into the consulting firm of Skiva, 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 and Skiva. Who knows? Business has gone bad. Maybe they needed to try a new method. Maybe the business environment changed. Maybe it required something different. And maybe what they used to do is not now working, but they've seen it work in other places. And so they tried to use the name of Jesus. Can I say to you this morning, you cannot use the name of Jesus simply when things go bad. You cannot use the name of Jesus simply for your own benefit and neglect the fact that Jesus wants to be a part of your life every single day. But the seven sons of Sceva invoke the name of Jesus. They use the name of Jesus by Jesus whom Paul preaches, not the Jesus whom we believe, the Jesus whom we are using. Verse 15, one day... The evil spirit answered them. Uh-oh. This is going to be good. If you don't think the Bible's interesting, you've never read verse 15. 
and 16. One day the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know about too. But hold up. Who are you? No, 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 no. See, the demons know about the power of God. Even the demons tremble, we sang it this morning, at the name of Jesus. Ask the demons. There is a source that we can go to that will affirm the power of God. Demons know the power in the name of Jesus. And they say to the seven sons of Sceva, who are not possessed by the Spirit of God, who are simply using the name of Jesus, yo, 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 I know Jesus, I'm familiar with Paul, but hold up, homeboy, who are you? Is there anything in your life that would cause the armies of God to be concerned when your feet hit the floor tomorrow morning? The seven sons of Sceva are using the name of Jesus, but they had no power. You can't claim Jesus unless it's real. There is no Power. There will be no power. There will be no influence. Oh, there will be an illusion of influence. People will like what you say and they will buy what you produce, but there will be no lasting power. Listen, if your faith simply involves a once a week religious activity, I can assure you. You were not known in hell. Satan and his armies are passing by you every day. You are not an IG Jesus influencer. Can I ask you a question today? Does hell know your name? Do the demons tremble when your feet hit the floor every morning? Do they know when this person goes on set, when this person goes to the office, when this person does what they do on a regular basis, we know there's power in this person's life, not because of their personality, not because of their following, but because of the Jesus who lives in them, because of the Jesus they are cultivating on a daily basis. Does hell know your name? Verse 16. Then the man who had the evil spirit, jumped on them and overpowered them all. (laughs) This gets interesting. He gave them such a beating (laughs) that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. The man in whom is demon-possessed overpowers the life of that man. Not only that, but he puts a whooping. (laughs) That's Georgia talk. He puts a whooping on the seven sons of Sceva. In Greco-Roman world, it was shameful to be naked or naked, wherever you're from. (laughs) This is a great news headline, by the way. Coming up on the 7 o'clock news on ABC 11, ABC 7 or whatever it is in L.A. 
Seven Jewish guys caught running down San Fernando, naked. (laughs) Can I acknowledge to you this morning that it may be painful to live for Jesus? It may be difficult. But when you're full of the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus has your back. But you go out without the power of God... you're gonna be embarrassed. And and I don't mean that you, you may experience shame and embarrassment because that may not be your experience, but in the unseen world, the world that matters, they're laughing at you. The legions of Satan rise up against you and they make a, a fool out of you. This person who claims Jesus has no power. Let's move on. It takes more than a Sunday morning attendance to be known in hell. Verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done, verse 18. You see, in Ephesus... You have Christians who are practicing magic and witchcraft and sorcery. Ephesus is the city where the gospel had not fully penetrated yet. Ephesus is a city where we find the temple of Diana, the temple of Artemis. We find all of these, uh, these gods, Zeus and, 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 and Apollos and all of, these, uh, all of these Greek gods. And the gospel had not yet fully penetrated the city of Ephesus, disciples who were there had not yet been fully discipled. Their faith involved not only Jesus, but it also involved the occult. And so the magicians and the exorcists are coming forward. And just like some of you who come to faith in Christ, these people were coming out and they were saying, this is who I was, but by the name of Jesus, this is now who I am. When Jesus changes your life, he begins this process of a total transformation. Theologically, we call it sanctification. You're becoming more like Jesus. You don't become more like Jesus simply because you get baptized. That does not happen. Shed that idea from your mind. The next baptism, I want to get baptized because it's going to change my life. It's not going to change your life. It's simply a public declaration of your faith in Jesus. It's your public declaration that now you are a follower of Jesus. Baptism is not going to change your life. Sunday morning attendance is not going to change your life. Following the spirit of God, listening to the word of God, acting in the power of God. That's how you become like Jesus. And so here we see Christians who are coming out and they're saying, this is who I was, but now this is who I am. Verse 19, listen to the effect of what happens. Listen to the effect of what happens when people say, I will be possessed by the power of God. Verse 19, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and they burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 pieces of silver. This theory of magic states that when the trick's been revealed, the, the power is now lost. And so these magicians are, are risking everything. It's, 
if this was just a temporary change in their life, they've now revealed their, their tricks. All the power has been gone, essentially, for these people who are, are publicly stating who they are in Jesus. There's no going back. There's no walking this way one day and this way the next day. It was wholesale abandonment to the will of God in their life. And can I say to you this morning, church, if your name will be known in hell, it must involve wholesale abandonment and surrender to the will of God in your life. When books are publicly burned, you you understand this, they're essentially repudiated. In other words, those who are burning the books are making a statement that whatever's in those books is of non-importance. It's non-influential. It's non-existence in my life. What's the point? Some of you need to abandon. Some of us need to abandon the pursuit of my own glory, my own name, my own brand as a way of life. Pursue Jesus' name over your life. For some of you, you believe that means career suicide. Am I speaking to anybody? For some of you, you believe if I pursue Jesus' name over my name, that means career suicide. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to believe. That's exactly what the legions of Satan's army That's exactly why they don't tremble when you wake up every morning. The enemy's not afraid of you because you have no power. You have no lasting, affecting power. Well, maybe your name has clout. Maybe you have influence, but it's only serving you. You've given in to a cheap substitute. I probably said this to you before, but I grew up loving this old dead musician named Elvis. Anybody heard of Elvis? He died two months before I was born. I don't know. I had a strange attraction to Elvis and his music and I used to listen to it and I bought CDs and I'd listen to it and I used to sing this song that actually Frank Sinatra wrote and the song was, I did it my way. (laughs) I did it my way. Sounds much better than that. And he did it his way. He got the pink Cadillac. (laughs) He got the mansion. (laughs) He got Graceland. And then he died. And now what? And now I I go over to McConnell's Ice Cream in Studio City. Uh, They should sponsor me, by the way. And when I go to McConnell's ice cream, I always get the Elvis milkshake, chocolate ganache, vanilla ice cream, banana, honey. And I drink the Elvis milkshake. Is that it? Is that it? I'm drinking a milkshake named after a dead musician. Mark Twain says they'll mourn you for an hour and forget you forever. And so what? Is that it? Is that all? In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely 
and grew in power. I want to challenge you to believe that one single revolutionary life changed the course of history, literally split it in time. B.C. A.D., 800 years, 600,000 people were crucified by the Roman Empire. Only one of them came back to life. He alone, Jesus, has the power to forgive. He alone has the power to heal. When I read this passage, I see a man who's abandoned the pursuit of his own glory. Do they know your name? In hell? We're sort of in a critical time in the history of Christianity. I don't believe God is worried or concerned. I don't believe he's trying to figure out a backup plan. I don't think he's confused, but I do believe it won't take long for us to find out whether or not our generation is willing to take the name of Jesus and make him preeminent. Whether Jesus is of primary importance, whether we are willing to take the gospel Make every effort to make it known in our city. Are we willing to take every word that he said in scripture as true? We're going to find out soon if our generation really believes in the power of the gospel. A litmus test. Last week we announced we're starting a second church. Some of you walked away thinking, well, that's great, but how does that affect me? That's the way you think when you're hungry for your own glory. Every generation has had to make its choice, whether or not it's going to stand for Jesus, be for Jesus, be with Jesus. It happened to every disciple who decided to take the gospel to their friends and their neighbors. It happened in the Middle Ages. It happened in the 15 and 1600s when reformers set up for the gospel instead of tradition. It happened in the 1950s and 60s when men and women stood by the scriptures and denied cultural sin. It happened in the lion's den when Daniel and his friends had to decide whether or not they would stand for God or against God. And today, you've got to decide too. What are you hungry for? Your own glory, your own power? What will it get you? A milkshake? and they'll forget you. What would be worse this morning is to stand before Jesus and say, but Jesus, I I did these things. I was a part of this thing. I gave to this thing. And for Jesus to look you in the eyes and say, but I never knew you. But I never knew you. But I never knew you. Do you know Jesus today? Have you ever experienced his power in your life? A joy that can reside in your heart even when a father is about to pass. 
you ever trusted your life to Jesus? The name has the power to transform you, to save you, to change you. I'm, I'm, I'm offering that to you today. I'm not offering you another church experience, another song, another sermon. I'm offering you the life-changing glory of God in your life. Have you ever trusted your life to Jesus? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do that today. Come to a point where you realize God created me. God loves me. There's a problem between myself and God as I currently stand. The problem is sin, but God loved me so much and so great that he died for me on the cross. And if I would confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, Christ can change the trajectory of my life today. And John 1.12 then says, then you have the right, the authority, the power to be called a child of God. Are you a child of God today? You bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to sing one more song, but I'm begging you. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you. I'm not asking you to become a fan of Story City Church. I'm asking you to become a follower of Jesus today. Will you trust your life to him? It happens. Having a simple moment with the Lord. Acknowledging who you are before him. Acknowledging what he's done for you on the cross. Asking him to save you today. Deciding in your heart that the glory of God in Jesus' name is of preeminence and will be in your life. And you abandon your own glory. It's not even worth it. A milkshake and then what? Do you trust your life to Jesus today? Give your life to Jesus today? In a moment we're going to sing, if that's your desire, I just want to encourage you to have a moment where you just do some business with the Lord. Say, God, I need you to save me today. That's your desire, your choice today. We want to know who you are. Why, Pastor Matt? Not so we can embarrass you, make you stand on the stage, say anything you don't want to say, so we can begin to help you walk with God, know the power of God that's available in your life. We'd ask you to stop by the table in the lobby that says Connect Table. Marco is going to be out there. I'd like to give you Bibles, some things to begin to walk with God. Let me pray for us. Lord, God, may we be a church. Oh, God, may we be a church. This morning, when our feet hit the ground, tomorrow, when our feet hit the ground, Tuesday, when our feet hit the ground, the legions, the armies of Satan say, oh, no, they're up. God, may we be a people who take power with us, not in our own power, not in our own glory. May we be a people that take power with us because of the name of Jesus to the places where we work the places where we live, the places where we breathe, the places where we exist. God, may we be a people that make a name for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.